This is CliffCentral.com. This show contains adult content. If you find it offensive, please go to the CliffCentral.com website where there's a show for you. Good morning to you. And to you, and especially to you, Yahabibi. This is the music of the vibrant Middle East as we open up the show full of magic and full of joy. This is the Unview, where we're the thin, the rich, and the fabulous. Well, it's so fun to be here with you. I hope that you're having a fantastic morning. Uh, I know that I have got uh, three phenomenal guests in studio. Um, the first guest we stole from Gareth's show. Um, the second guest uh, has just come back from England and wrote the most phenomenal um, article called uh, Three Nights. Um, and it's... Uh, it's uh, the great producer and the great legend, Richard Loring. But we're going to talk about it because we're trying to get uh, Sir Cliff Richard on the line a little bit later in the show. And uh, then we've got uh, the master of comedy. He's the comedy agent uh, all over Cape Town for young top comedians, uh, Stuart Taylor in studio. So it's, it's a whole bunch of wonderful people. Guys, welcome to all of you into the studio. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you. It's uh, it's wonderful, Peter Dirk. Thank you, firstly, for staying on. Mm. I know you were with Gareth, uh, a legend. I mean, what a legend, guys! I mean, you can't, you can't, can't. You be. can't, you can't deny it. You can't deny. It. I'm, in fact, I'm busy putting that on my phone here. It's a photo of us, and it says centimeters from legends. From legends. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> Love it. But Peter Dirk, your uh, this book echoes of the echo of a noise. The echo of a noise. Yes. yes. Tell me about the book. Well, it started off as a monologue in the theatre. Uh, a 90 minute monologue where I sit on a bar stool and tell a story with no props, no high heeled shoes, no politics, and it's just a story of growing up in Pinelands in Cape Town with a musical family and a father that I fought with and a mother who was just adorable and then died and killed herself and then f- me f- being in love with Sophia Loren and she being in love with me eventually and <laughs> It was just extraordinary to go through the performance and then have such amazing feedback from audience who just said to me, um, this is my life. I said, but how can it be your life? It's so different to mine. They said, no, you give us a frame and we put in our picture. And, and also a little 11-year-old boy who said to me after he saw it, he said, I liked it very much. I thought the pictures were wonderful. I said, there are no pictures. He said, no, the picture's in my head. Wow. And that's why I thought I'm going to now put it into book form. Mm -hmm. So the theater experience is one of the chapters in the book, and the rest of it are other stories of of growing up and just becoming who I am today after all these ups and downs and ins and outs uh, in an extraordinary democracy that's going into the 25th year. Uh, And uh, suddenly I find myself back in the trenches. So I've been in the trenches for so long, I'm turning it into a timeshare. <laughs> At least we've closed the Zuma doors to some extent. Oh, don't want to close the Zuma doors. Keep that door open so we can smell what we went through for seven years. <laughs> I mean, we are. We need counselling. This country's in trauma. This man was evil beyond words, yeah. except the fact that everybody knew what a fraught apple he was before he even became president. So lots of people must stop saying, I didn't know. Ich habe nichts gewusst. They all knew, and uh, there's an election next year, so if we all use our vote carefully, we can make a difference, and that's the nice thing about democracy. You know, every democracy deserves the government they get, says Peter Doge's thinking about the United States of America. 
And on that note, uh, I would like to ask you, uh, your, your, well, you're not, she's not a very good friend of yours, but Evita Bissana, do you still see her occasionally? I see her occasionally in the mirror, but she doesn't look back into my face. I mean, uh, she's very upset because Puck died, Puck Buerta died, oh. so she misses him very much. So. But to, Evita is, of course, as a member of the ANC, she, she's in the kitchen, full steam ahead, cooking for reconciliation, and uh, they've cut back on a lot of the stuff, you know, because they are trying to save a little bit of money to pay back the billions they owe the people. Um, but she's okay. Uh, she's got her eye on next year's election, so be careful. Be careful. <laughs> and then the, the festival in Darling, how did that go? The Fuhrkammerfest was fantastic. We, we were back after two years, which we couldn't do mm-hmm. because of lack of finance. It was a wonderful success. And the wonderful thing this year was the Fugot Theatre came in and sponsored all the performers. We have 60 oh, wow. performers, which is uh, the majority uh, cost in the in the budget. And the mm-hmm. Fugot Theatre really, truly came to the party. And and it was wonderful and exciting for them and for us. And so we're already planning the one for next year, the first, the first um, weekend in September 2019. Uh, 20, what's it next year? 2019. 19, yes, 2019. Yes. 2019. Yes, there's lots of numbers there. So that was great. And uh, in fact, this weekend we've got a scarecrow festival. And we've got scarecrows. Everybody house has got little scarecrows. Even there are scarecrow horses and scarecrow cats. All in Darling. Yeah. And we have a competition and the prize is a bottle of wine. Yeah. That is, that is <laughs> <laughs> not, not the darling milk. No, no, the darling milk after the bottle of wine with the disparate. <laughs> <laughs> I always well, that, buy the darling milk. It's wonderful. Oh, that's lacquer. Well, that is, firstly, it's great having you with us. I know you have to run off, and I want to just punt the book. What, what shows are happening between now and the end of the year and the, and the, or the beginning of the new year? Well, well, the book, The, uh, the Echo of a Noise, and mm-hmm. the Afrikaans version, Vierklank van der Wanklank, which mm-hmm. Tafelberg has published. That's mm-hmm. in all the shops. Uh, and then I have my... New, the show that we spoke about when I saw you last, When in Doubt, Say Darling, Say Darling is yeah. going to Natal, uh, to Durban, Sneden, and to the Peter Maritzburg Hexagon Theatre in the next two weeks. And then I have got the season back in Cape Town and working on next year's project, which is the election. Elections. And the erections. Elections and erections. <laughs> yes. We've seen them before. But this is, this is gonna be, okay. It's wonderful having you with us. Thank you very much. It's, you. A, it's, a, it's a great. Uh, guys, I mean, I mean, I know Richard, no, you've known. It's wonderful. Absolutely incredible. For years that you've you, yeah. you've known known Peter and uh, and of course in terms of comedy yeah no I was I mean I I, I I'm not lying when I say I, I love the fact that I can chase you chase because me. you know the, the idea that you know how how limited is is a, is your career as a comedian and then you look at people like you and you go no there's no limit you can keep going forever. And what is interesting when I'm when I when I'm in London or overseas, people don't ask me about the rugby players. They say, "How's Peter doing?" <laughs> <laughs> what are you saying? It's, it's amazing. Oh, Wonderful. Oh, thank you, sir. Thank you, darling. You are my legend. Okay. Thank you, darling. Oh, the best. The echoes of a noise is all around the country in in bookstores. Go and get it. It's it's great, and it's a, it's a memoir of his life, and uh, you know this is. <clears throat> Where let's talk about this, not with Richard standing here, but you and I, just the two um, of us. Just the t- close your ears. I'm not. I'm, my very I'm special. Moving away. I'm moving away. This is CliffCentral.com, and my very special guest in studio uh, is the one and only Stuart Taylor, and mm-hmm. uh, he's a top comedian, top producer, um, t- comic agent. Yeah, kind of, kind of. Okay. That's my wife, not really me. I just I put my name on it. <laughs> Got it. <laughs> Pretend as though I work there. And <laughs> our next guest is uh, Richard Loring, who is. Actor, producer, singer, extraordinaire, uh, stage hand occasionally. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> everything. Always everything. sweep the stage, wipe the floor. Yeah, everything. <laughs> um, but, uh, but Stuart, let, let's, let's just chat about this. 
isn't it incredible to see the legends yes. that come through the business that it's called sustainability? It is, it is. I mean, and uh, I think it's to be acknowledged. I remember um, many years ago at the first um, Comics Choice Awards, I remember uh, well, the, the person who was winning the sort of Lifetime Achievement Award. Uh, I just remember Aaron McElroy uh, handed out the award and he had made this beautiful speech about us uh, standing on the shoulders of legends and that's often what uh, what young performers don't necessarily uh, take cognizance of mm-hmm. that you have an industry because of those who came before you so uh, yeah i mean you you've got to you've got to really give credit where credit is due every every audience we have is an audience that uh, that mark cultivated maybe and every audience that mark cultivated was in theaters because Peter had cultivated that that mm. audience. You know what I mean? It's really. I mean, I remember watching Peter Dirkais in at a Docklow Theatre or the Baxter Theatre when I was a kid. I wasn't allowed. You know, it's certainly too young to to hear what he was saying. But our parents were like, "No, no, no. This is a kind of great way of introducing you to what's happening in the world." <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it was amazing. And maybe because of those, because of watching that, I kind of went, "Oh wow." That's, uh, that's something you can do. That's something you can do. There's a life there. Exactly. Exactly. It's beautiful. You and I met very interesting through Bright Rock. Yes. Um, Yes, yes, yes. And I want to say that because it was very interesting because I had a meeting with you in Cape Town. I've Mm -hmm. never met you before. We sat around a table and we developed a concept with Yes, Stevens, yes, and, and yeah, Dale and you guys, you guys flew with it. It's amazing. It's uh, a so concept called Coaches Are Us. Yes. Um, which, by the way, you can go and see at the Change Exchange uh, on the Bright Rock website. It's brilliant, actually. It really is. It's very funny. It it's really funny. is funny stuff. And we sat across this table developing it. And I thought to myself, you know, it is, do you know how hard it is to develop comedy? I mean, comedy just does it. It's, it's Richard. Loring, it's very similar to developing a show like African Footprints. You know, there's a musical score, there's a choreography, there's mm, so much cost- staging, lighting. There's yep. so many things that has to go into comedy. Comedy yep. no longer is let's just turn the button on and and speak. That's true, and also I think uh, funny isn't enough of a commodity anymore. That's the that's the reality. Is that there's comedy everywhere. You can t- uh, you can switch on Netflix and watch comedy between now and your ninetieth birthday. Every hour on the hour, there's another mm. comedy special. What makes you different? I think that's that's kind of where comics sit right now, going, okay, so you're going to have to be spectacular, or you're going to have to add the lights, because comics always kind of got away with going, oh, it's a man in a uh, a man in a mic. Give me a bar stool and a mic, and I'll be fine. And I'll tell a couple of jokes. Exactly. Yeah. Unless you're a legend like Peter Durkheis telling us a, a lifetime of stories, eh. and even then, that is not. It doesn't just live in the realm of funny. It lives in the realm of 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 poignant and heartwarming and 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 amazing. I mean, there are moments of tears in that in that show. Mm. So that I think is is where comics sit right now. As you go, okay, I've got some good jokes, but I better add to it. Mm. <laughs> and then you see great comedians like Mark Lottring mm-hmm. turn a, a, and do um, Mrs. Uh, Auntie Merle the Auntie musical. Merle the musical. Know, I mean, Mark, Mark's a great example. Mark, is the, Mark's been doing characters. Uh, he kind of alternates them. One show's got characters. One show's just stand-up. And that's that is... The, 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 the superpower, you just go, what is, what is your extra skill? What is the other thing you can do? And Mark's been very good in terms of not chucking that away. He's always maintained it. And then his characters taking on a life of their own. Auntie Mulder musical. I always love doing the show because I think the show, often we have people singing songs and doing great things and mm. laughing in studio and just having quite a lot of fun. Um, but I hope that this, this, the unview, uh, in terms of the entertainment business gives people the tools, almost like, uh, how to do it? Some lecture. Yes. It's almost like a, a, a podcast on 
what, what do the, the inner workings? How, how, the inner workings. Tell us how you did how it. Did you it. How did you do it? How did you? How did you get there? And 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 this is why I asked this question: Is that Stuart, you rearing a lot of young talent? Yeah, uh, the Goliaths, for example. Mm. Um, you, you're doing a lot of. Work. I mean, the Goliath has become. It has left the Bible. Yes. No, they, 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 I mean, they're a massive, uh, comedy name <laughs> in this, in left, this industry. They have left, David's no longer with Goliath. <laughs> until, yeah, but they they'll split. find another Goliath who will be called David. True, okay. true. They're a double act, they split. <laughs> <laughs> this, the Goliaths are now a triple act. They are a triple act. They are a triple act. But, I mean, ultimately what it is, for me, I just, I feel you've got to invest in that. You've got to invest in, in, in people who are coming up, uh, behind you. And, in whichever way, shape, or form that mm. may be. It's something as simple as if someone sends you a message on Twitter saying, I'm doing a show, could you retweet it to your followers? Because you have got more followers than me. It costs you absolutely nothing. It costs you the push of a button to push to say retweet. It doesn't mean your followers are going to go and watch, but it does create a presence for those people. You're also building their career and helping exactly. them. Exactly. And you, you, it doesn't mean that you need to slog off at, at workshops okay. and listening to their material and give them notes. Sometimes that is what you do. But sometimes it's as simple as just going, as, as hearing them do a punchline and go, you know, if you use the word the in front of that, if you drop the word the, it'll make it more effective. Just because you've got the time in the industry. Sure. It, so I, I like to do that. I like to offer that sort of advice to, uh, to the up and coming comics. That's, that's my. my now this idea. is what we do in the morning. What okay, do we do? Before 20 past nine. Okay, mm-hmm. we get somebody to sing. Oh, well then that's because so, you. So, so Richard. You're going to ask me to sing? You're going to sing something. Wait, wait, wait. Let me just With make that sure. velvety voice. Uh, okay, okay, so firstly you've got to pick a song. Pick, pick a song. Or did you like to sing? Anything. Uh, how about the song that everybody asked me to sing from that wonderful production of Joseph that went on forever and ever, Any Dream Will Do? Okay, uh, hold on, wait. Let me just find Any Dream. Oh, you see now you've got to get the lyrics mm. and try and get the, the dream. This is the number I used to do in Cabernet. Say to the audience, right, I want you all to take a big breath and go, ah, and they never realized why until I said, I close my eyes, drew back the curtain, and all of a sudden all the audience would go, ah, and they realized what we were doing. <laughs> so, uh, we, got, uh, we haven't prepped this, but you see, we're going to do Okay, it's, it is the karaoke version. Okay. Mm. okay oh, so, nothing wrong with that. Okay, so <laughs> you can hear clearly. All right, and I'm just checking all the stuff. Okay, let's just see if we can, let's just see if we can get, ladies and gentlemen, Richard Loring, are we on? Are we on? There we are. I close my eyes. Drew back the curtain. One, two. I close close my my eyes. eyes. Drew back the curtain. Ah, to see for certain ah, 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 what I thought I knew far far away far far away someone was weeping wrong key eh? ah, ah, <laughs> the world was sleeping <laughs> ah, any dream will do I wore my coat I wore my coat with golden lining, uh-huh. <laughs> bright colors shining, uh-huh. wonderful and new. And, and in the east, and in the east, the dawn was breaking, but the world was waiting. Any dream will do. That is so cool. 
A crash of drums. A flash of light. My golden coat to flew out of sight. The colors faded into darkness. I we was were left, left alone. All together. May, May I, I return? return? Come on, Stuart. May I return, guys? To, to the, the beginning. beginning. Right at the start. <laughs> For the light is dimming. It's getting quite dark now. And, and the dream, dream is too. Oh, I don't know about that. The, the world, world and I. All of us. We, we are still waiting. Waiting or waking? Still hesitating. <laughs> That's what I thought. Any, Any dream will do. I have a dream. <laughs> that, that is really I cool. Oh, I, wish, uh, I wish you'd chosen the right keyword. Sorry, I, I, just, I went karaoke of YouTube. I, I'm sorry. I, just I went, could have at least said B flat or C or something. No, no I know. just went karaoke. Karaoke. YouTube. YouTube. Yeah. That's how we did it. I love the fact that I'm I'm completely tone deaf. I love the fact that you you thought there was something wrong with that. That's uh, that's why you are involved in that musical business. But, but uh, of course, uh, I mean that's not your key, and that's but it's wonderful. No, that there's a lot of people thinking, yeah. Yeah. Now we know why he gave it up. <laughs> <laughs> I would never do that. No, no, just, no, I'm no, but it was still fun. And that was, was that your first stage role when no, you, no, no, no. when you I, came to South Africa? Oh, when I, no, no. I had already, um, I, came, I came out here in 1960, in October 1969, and I to play Tony and the Boyfriend, and then Tony and West Side Story. Then my agent, who, in fact, who I've just had supper with in um, in London, said, you've got to come back. I never went back because I actually fell in love with the country and the people. Then I went to the Adam Leslie Theatre. Then I did some movies. Uh, my um, uh, Winners won. Uh, Freem de Verold, uh, Strange World, The Baby Game, uh, Cecil Darter. Then all of a sudden, along came this little show. Four weeks at the Alexander Theatre. Within two nights, we were sold out, and I played yeah. in it, directed it, and played in it for 15 years, uh, three and a half thousand performances as the narrator. Uh, obviously, there were a lot of things in between, but like everything, it changed my life, and overnight, people said, oh, my God, oh, as, as Michael Caine, or Sir Michael Caine said in his book, he said, I was an overnight success after 24 years, <laughs> and that's what usually happens yeah. to uh, us in the business. You know, there's a lot of hard work goes into it. So, um, yeah, Joseph changed my life in so many, many ways. And today I will bump into somebody and they say they sat on my knee when they were a little girl. They've still got the picture. And you know what? That's the greatest compliment you can ever get from somebody, that they remember you. Mm-hmm. And they remember the impact of that particular piece. Yeah, in a, in a way, in 19... Um, Excuse me. In 1974, when that opened, there had not been a rock show in this country. So all of a sudden, the whole of South Africa wanted to see that show. I mean, we would play to uh, 1,000, 2,000, 3,000 people a night, and that happened over 15 years, which is quite incredible. It's still South Africa's most successful show in terms of the length of its run and the people it attracted, and today that it could come back and still play to capacity, which Mm. is is the best compliment of, of anything. Absolutely. And, of course, then our cast then goes all over the world. I mean, it went off to the whole of, of Asia. 
I mean, yes, Jonathan Rocksmith now of of late. Yeah, well, I mean, you you've got Chicago traveling the world, and mm. I mean that that is the journey that we undertake. So, um, as you Stuart was saying just now, if you're able to help people, give them advice, give them a career, uh, as we did in Footprint, where 300 young people mm. uh, travel the world. Uh, they eventually came back. They bought motor cars. They got married. They had children. They've got a career, and that's why at this moment in time, I'm working to bring it back. Not for me. But I can create opportunities and work for people who it takes their life in another direction. And that's the role that we also play. It's not just about entertaining. It's about giving of yourself so people get something back. Yeah. I, I want to I touch on this for a second because, again, it was one of those. So, so I, I want to tell you, I, I went to go and see uh, with De- Debbie Batsoff, and I think was your yes, production yes, manager, yes, director. Sure. Yeah. Um, it's uh, on a small scale at the theatre by Kyle Army. Oh yes, yes. The sound stage, sound stage, your sound stage. It was a small little, little. Well, it was three hundred people a night. Yeah. Okay. And then all of a sudden, uh, when the inauguration for Tabi and Becky happened, um, African Footprints opened at the state on that stage of the state theatre. And I want to just tell you about the front row because. Gareth Cliff and I have a famous story where we, we snuck in. Oh, nice. No, we snuck in in, in a black tie with Mazima Shalow. Uh, okay, listen yeah. to the series. It's in his book. It's actually, we should read this thing. And there, all of a sudden, you had, like, in the, seriously, in the first couple of roles, I just, you had, um, Robert Mugabe, Tabin Becky, uh, Madiba, you had, um, Yasser Arafat. <laughs> Do you remember this? Yes, yeah. Muammar Gaddafi. Yeah. <laughs> all, all, you had the freedom fighters for the dictators sitting <laughs> watching African footprints with the soccer balls on yes, the stage yes, and Selo Makakangube doing some of the yes, voiceover work yeah, and poetry. Yeah. And when I watched it, I thought, wow, this has got great legs. Mm. And it had legs. How many countries did African footprints go to? Well, we, we played around the world. We had uh, 4,000 performances um, wow. around the world. Um, as I said, it's coming back now because it's an interest, but I've uh, deliberately stepped back from it be- to be able to be bring it forward. Sometimes you have to step back from, I'm sure you agree so yes. with your work. You sometimes step back to look at yourself, look at where the world sits, what it needs. And I think at this moment in time, the message that South Africa has got, which is not always as good as it should be, I think that in our entertainment and our comedy, in our comedians, our song, our dance, and our energy and passion for what we do, there's a message there that we must take out and say we are all better together. And let's let's show that message out there mm. because that's better than more than anybody. The politicians can't give that message. No, we no, can. no. Yes, and we exactly. can do it with a smile. And people will sit down there and laugh and then go away and think, ah, that seems like a great country, South Africa. Let's go visit it. That's what happened with our our artists who went out. They became young ambassadors for South Africa. And that's the thing. Now, I want to tell you, you've had a very special relationship with the one and only Sir Cliff Richard. Mm -hmm. Okay. It's summertime, you know, and I think it's important. We're going to talk to you. But let's, let's let's just listen to this piece. Let's see. Let's see if we can rock and roll this. Nineteen sixty-three. The biggest star in the world, Cliff Richard. As a, is it, is it before Elvis Presley? Uh, no, Elvis was the fifth. In fact, in the show that he's just uh, that he's performing in at the moment, um, interestingly enough, he opens with um, uh, "There Ain't Nothing But a Hound Dog" and um, uh, and an Elvis number. 
Then he does two two other uh, sequences from the 50s, and the reason he does that is because that was what influenced him as a performer, mm-hmm. because he only really started coming to his his real strength in the early 60s. Uh, but he talks talks about Elvis, of course, and mm-hmm. uh, uh, and the one the wonderful thing is, you know, I met Cliff. In 1968, when I just signed my recording contract at EMI, Abbey Road, and I was at a meeting with um, Nori Paramore, Tim Rice, Sir Tim Rice, who was the A&R manager, and I was there with my manager, Bob Barrett, and Cliff just happened to pop in. And I, you know, Hi, everybody, and I, I thought, oh, wow, there's Cliff Richard, and I, he kind of looked at me and kind of waved, and that was it. No, little did I know that 10 years later, 1977, I would be back in the Abbey Road studios recording four singles with him. We were supposed to record the day before. He phoned me that morning and said, Richard, can't start today. Elvis has just died. Passed on. And he said, they're phoning me from all over the world. Can we do it tomorrow? And that was the start of a friendship, which has taken me right the way through to 2018, where last Monday I sat at the back with 5,500 fans and watched Sir Cliff Richard or Cliff Richard, the entertainer, at 78, do a one-hour and 55-minute show where the people... Old, old age, middle age, with walkers, with walking sticks, going into this theatre, and I had to cast my mind back sixty years and think, wow, those were young people, those were young yeah. guys, they were young girls, <laughs> but there they are, sixty years later, applauding him, paying for their tickets, and giving him a standing ovation like you can't believe. So that's wow. that's the history of the business we're in. Wow, that's incredible. And that's what you want because you want that first experience or, the, or that experience of that artist. I mm-hmm. mean, who's yeah. you? If you think besides, we're going we're we're to shift slightly and I want to come back to, because I think it's quite incredible that he, listen, Richard yeah. Loring. Calls him is, Cliff. This is, this is Cliff. No, they're very good friends. They're, they're, Cliff, Cliff. Is, Cliff is meant to join us on the show today, by the way. Ah. So we're going to have Cliff Richard, Sir Cliff Richard, Sir join Cliff. us on the line. He, he, he apologized. He apologized because uh, the, the bottom line is he's doing a show, uh, I've just told you. Uh, hour and 55 minutes every And you'll be asleep right now And he is <laughs> yes. saying Richard how, uh, how would you think That I could wake up This early <laughs> But he sends his love To his many Many fans Who are hoping He's going to come out here With this new show We so, are indeed Yeah Stuart Yes He personally spoke To Cliff Richard I know Who's I meant know. to be on the show Sir Cliff Richard uh, Which is great Sir so if you know you him as long as I do, I'll just call him Sir. Next time you're in, we're going to get Sir Cameron McIntosh, and then we're going to get Sir Michael Caine. Let's not even go to the three nights that you had. And I'm not saying evenings, but you had three sirs. Three, th- three, three nights of sirs, yeah. Or yeah. three canites. Three canites. Three canites. Okay. But you look at your life, and you look at who inspired who inspired you. Who made you laugh? Um. Well, I suppose uh, of late, once we... Like I suppose the, the the Chris Rocks of the world when you watch any of any of mm. the first things he did, um, Eddie Izzard. Uh, the first time I saw Eddie Izzard, I couldn't understand. I was like, "What? What is this? This is the craziest, <laughs> funniest thing I've on. ever seen in my life." How can it's absurd and it's so funny. Um, the two of them, I think, I remember watching in the sort of very formative, uh, formative time and just going, "Wow, this is this is something else." And then later, you kind of grow an appreciation for for everyone's for, for what they do. I kind of have more of an appreciation for for people's career choices and the paths that they take than necessarily the content that they produce. Because as I said, funny is funny. It's it's great. It'll make you laugh. One thing may not may make you laugh a little bit louder than another, but it's 
it's it's all it's all comedy. So for me, it often comes down to uh, some crazy risk that they might have taken, or the fact that they decide I'm going to do it differently to everyone else. But you're growing up. Yeah. Um, how old are you now? I'm 41 okay, years we're old. We're the same age. We're in yes. our 40s. Okay, yeah. we, we're, okay we're, we're, this is where we're at. Yes. But, but something had to happen like where you realized, okay, I'm really funny. Well, I mean, you know what? I was really lucky. So when I, when I was at, at school, I went to a place called the College of Magic, and that was kind of a – so I learned to do some magic tricks when I was a kid. And then uh, eventually when I, when I got to university, I finished with the college, and I was teaching there part-time, and I was doing kids' magic shows. Which people love, eh? They yes. Love, they, they love magic. They absolutely do. In fact, I, 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 if, I'm, if my arm is twisted, I do a little bit in this new show. Uh, and in fact, I am working on – And you on might a, even do some now. No, no. 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 Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> no. I, you know, I'm working with um, – with Alan Committee on a new oh, project. Alan, he's wonderful. He's amazing. Mm-hmm. And he directed me in my very first one man show many, many years ago. And But there's so, a man who gives of himself two hundred percent. Absolutely. It's it's incredible. We were um we did a bit of a brainstorm at my house on, sa- on uh, over that the weekend. That must have been very funny. <laughs> <laughs> for his for his new show, which is coming up. And it's it's incredible. So I'd, I'd kind of go, Alan, there's this idea. And then you just watch his brain go tick, 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 tick. Yeah. And then he's off and he's doing something else. So it was quite, quite interesting to watch. It's, it's like you, 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 it's just like you are a spark yeah. and he is, he is whatever is, well, is, well, is he, most flammable. So, <laughs> it's, <laughs> so exactly. that was interesting. So I'm working with him on a new project, which we're going to do next year, which is going to be a lot more magic. Then I don't want to say more magic than comedy. It's going to be a comedy show. It's a comedy show because I'm a comic. That's what I do. But it's going to have elements of magic, which That's is going to be a lot of fun. We're going to touch on that in a moment. My very special guest in studio, he should be one day, Sir Richard Lawrence. I'm sure he is. Yes. <laughs> we call him uh, Sir for now in anticipation. And Stuart Taylor, I really want to thank the one and only Peter Dirk Ace who was with us as we started the show. Yeah. Um, I want to just uh, move off uh, center slightly. This is CliffCentral.com. Um, and we, 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 we talk about all things that are happening around town. This show is about entertainment, the unview, what's happening. And I think people love champagne. And the big Absa Champagne Festival happens this coming weekend, not this coming weekend, next weekend. Mm-hmm. And on the line, well, next week it starts on, on Wednesday. I've got uh, Sean Anderson, who's the owner of the festival and chairman of the Champagne Importers Association. Sean, welcome to the line. Good, thank you. Nice to be on. Sean, yes. it's good to have you with us. First and foremost, champagne is still the order of the day. <laughs> It is uh, it is uh, the great joy of summer of uh, celebrating and just generally uh, giving you having having a good time and making sure you're having a good time. So indeed, it is. Pop the cork right now. <laughs> yeah, pop, pop pop the cork. Um, exactly. Pop the cork right now. Sean, the, the the nicest thing is that that the festival doesn't only look at the international brands; it brings together the international brands with our. Should we say the local sparkling wine slash Moet Classic? Correct. No, that's that's entirely incorrect. Okay. Um, the Champagne Festival is uh, is what, the reason why it's so amazing and so unique, and in fact, not only unique in South Africa but in the world, is that this is the this is the one gathering of all of the available French champagne. In uh, in South Africa, and effectively, what happens is all of the importers of Champagne, whether they're the small grower brands or the medium-sized brands, or obviously the John Marks and the names that we know so well, they all uh, we're all one big association, and we come together at the annual Champagne after Champagne Festival just to allow people to, to showcase see what, what French Champagne is available. And there's 
over 70 different champagnes on show. I mean, it's astonishing that there actually are that many, you know, that many French champagnes available in, uh, for sale in South Africa. So we've got 70 different bottles that you'll be able to taste from. And the unique thing about that is that, that you know, champagne, as we know, is not, not entirely inexpensive. And so it's very difficult to uh, to go through all of the different available champagnes, even find them, frankly. Um, so people have an, an amazing opportunity at the, at the Champagne Festival to um, get to see everything that's available on the, on, in the range of champagne. Sean, I'm so happy that you clarified that. I haven't been to this festival before. I have been to three or four, three festivals in Epane, in the Champagne region. Uh-huh. Um, I've been to to Verve's farm, Krug's farm, Moite uh, Chandon's Serrant. Uh, My friend, I think I should induct you into the order of Champagne with that amount of travel. That's so, so I have, and I've been there a number of times, and I'm very, very blessed to have, and of course the, the guys from Mum and the whole, the whole group. But, but the cool thing here is that I'm happy that you noted that because then cl- truly this is a champagne festival and people don't need to get confused by that. Thank you for correcting me. No, absolutely. It's an entirely champagne. And, you know, it may sound a little, um, and we all know this, it may sound a little uh, uh, ponty or sort of geekish to, uh, to make the statement that, that if it's called champagne, it has to come from champagne because the rest of the world typically uses champagne as a generic for any sparkling wine. Mm. And, um, but the, the reality of the matter is that, and as you know, is that the, the, the reason why, why the, the, the wine of champagne is so, is so famous and everybody else effectively has copied the, the champagne is mm. that champagne makes really atrocious still wine because it's too cold um, in the north of France in, which, in the region of champagne. It's too cold. The grapes never really ripen, so you never get a delicious Chardonnay, for example, mm. if it was a still wine. But by having secondary fermentation in the bottle with, a, with the extra yeast chewing up the sugar, you get those bubbles, and then you can add a little bit of, of sweetness to the, to the wine at the end before you put the cork in. And um, all of that is what is why, why Champagne is entirely unique, because they actually make it in that style because they can't really make anything else. Sean, can I ask this question? Do you do people come along? Is there, you know, to be very honest, with you, a lot of people go to these festivals, and they don't know what a Chardonnay is, or they don't know what the blend Malbec and Cab Sav is, which is fine because people it's meant to be enjoyed on the palate. It's, it does. Uh, it's people that obviously have, have some, some form of sophistication. But but the question is, can people learn for, at a festival like this? Is, is that a part of it? Well, it's entirely, it's entirely um, what it's about. And as you say, you know, the, the, the thing about wine is that you can sort of get quite geeky about it. And, and it, although it is, it's a fantastic journey if you, if you start to understand, you know, the wine, especially based on the, the places it comes from, the terroir, the, you know, the, the climate around the world. And the, the, the story behind the producers often is, a, is something that prompts you to really appreciate one wine more than another. But one of the things about the business of champagne, for example, is that the champagne industry is quite, a, is quite an interesting bunch of, of growers. You have, you have a couple of those really big LVMH, you know, Louis Vuitton, Moet Hennessy brands that have got enormous amounts of backing and cash. They buy in enormous amounts of grapes from small growers 
and they produce millions and millions of bottles of, of Moet and, and Verpico that are completely delicious because they've got a, a steady stream of grapes all the way through mm. and they've got a, 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 a lot of money to leave them lying in the cellars and getting a bit of age and so on. But the reality is it's not dissimilar to the South African wine industry is that you get the big brands, you get the, the long-established brands, Niederbergs or Proschendals or whatever, and then you get these handful of kind of guys that have got either got very small little parcels of, of grapes or they actually buy the grapes in, but they, they have a very artisanal way of making them. And in Champagne, there's many families that have got small little pockets of land that mm. have been passed down the generations that got smaller and smaller as the cousins all took a, a portion yeah, of, a, split of the, the land. original part. <laughs> yeah. yeah, and they um, and, and what's happening is because Champagne is such a strong brand and there's such a, a strong quality wine that there's enough money in it that even these small guys can actually make a living just producing bottles in their family name and often in their garages um, just from sure. their one hectare or their few rows that got left. And it's creating a whole, a whole new range of these kind of, we call them growers, and the grower champagnes are these kind of small guys that are instead of selling all their grapes to a co-op or to one of the big houses, they're actually making the family name champagne. And um, and what we got at the show is we've got sort of a third of the wine of the champagne that we'll be showing will be the small those small growers, which mm. people often have never even heard of, frankly. And there's a lot of them. And then there's the sort of the medium-sized guys or the co-op guys, and then obviously the grand marks, you know, the, the great names, the Bollingers, the Tattingers, mm. and the of Verticos and Moets and, uh, and those big names, you know? So sure. it's an amazing learning curve because I, I think that's great. Things you've never heard of before. And I think that's what you want because it takes you out of just thinking that's the only – listen – People only know what they're shown, and generally, if you're watching 40 commercials around you and you don't get to experience other things, you, you lose out on other spe- special exactly. experiences. And exactly. I think and I mean, this is a good way would, to do it. We, yeah, where would you get to see half of these brands? You know, there's no. a handful of, of the great um, wine stores in, like in Johannesburg and mm. Victoria and Cape Town and so on. But uh, on the whole, a lot of people don't really get to even be exposed to them, as you say. So what we're what we're doing is showing South Africa that there's an enormous amount of of fun to be had in, in experimenting with all these different sort of styles of wine, styles of go, and price points too. You know, some of them are are, are sort of in the three hundred rand a bottle range, which is you know in South mm. African wine terms has become the norm almost. And then some of them are you know are in the thousand or two thousand rand a bottle mm. price range, which is you know, those fantastic wines that if you've got the money, you really want to drink them. As sure. you said, cooked sure. and some of the places you've been to visit yeah. already. Which, Sean, I, I just think it's a great experience. I think that the, the nice thing is that if you want to become a, a food connoisseur or a, a wine connoisseur or a champagne connoisseur or a gin connoisseur, if this is what you like and what tickles your fancy, um, then this, these are the things that you should invest in terms of your own life because I think it's a good thing because if that's what you like and you want to educate yourself. It's people that go to motor shows and learn about cars, it's the same concept. Exactly. Um, Sean, I think it's great. It's happening next week uh, at the Ananda. Um, it's uh, and thank you to, of course, people like Absa who get behind you to give you the support. I think you need it. Um, how does it work? People buy a ticket and they take a glass and they taste. How does it? How does it work? Well, listen, I've got I've got good news, good news and bad news because uh, you know one of the one of the, the um, sort of automatic things about a champagne event like this is that because it is the price it is, 
it's not it's not easy to have thousands of people at the mm. event like you might have at a at a Winex or a or a South African wine show mm. where the cost of the bottles is is no, you know noticeably less than what champagne is. So we have a relatively small number of people. We are um, we, it's over three nights, and we we dedicate uh, you know a good two of those nights to the the really um, it, um, uh, what's the right word the respected clients of ABSA mm. who um, who have been you know are the are their, their top clients and yeah, who okay. would love to be exposed to all of these wines. So we give them preference on on majority of the nights. And then the third night is where there's an availability for people to come, but it's it's very it's very jam packed already, and I I'm afraid to say there's not uh, much opportunity. We can we can certainly um, not this talk time, to people. not this uh, time, not, not this time. time. That's the key. It's not this time. Exactly. And what we what's happening is um, the French are, are obviously this is all endorsed and under the auspices of the French, um, you know, the, the French Association of Champagne. Mm. And um, they think that there's no country in the world that actually gets this many houses together in one festival. And what we're hoping to do next year is create Campaign Week, which would then give us an opportunity to allow that many more people to come and enjoy these wines. Sean, the whole thing is that let's get more exposure to great events and things that are going to help people learn more about things that they love. And that's what the point is. Thank you for joining us. And have some fun. <laughs> and have some fun and drink. I agree. Sean Anderson, the owner of the Absa Champagne Festival and chairman of the Champagne's Importers Association. Thank you for joining us and for being here on CliffCentral.com. Thanks. Great having him. Yeah, champagne. You, you, another, another bottle, bottle inside. Another, another bottle <laughs> inside. Oh. Sean owes you each a bottle. I think so. Okay, absolutely. <laughs> are, you, are you a champagne drinker? Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, uh, it's, it just has that definitive when you go to a function and you see the wine sitting there and the fruit juice and they say, champagne or wine? It's an automatic. You've, it's, 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 part <laughs> of, it's part of the adventure. <laughs> Tell me, you, you had a great, great week recently. I, mean, I can't wait to talk about Stuart's new show. Yours had a great week. Cause you I opened, did, yes. But I'm, I'm more interested in this. Uh, in, so, so, sir, so, in Sir Richard's uh, so you at great S- week. Sir Richard, um, S- Sir Cliff Richard's Sir Cliff Richard. uh, uh, event. Then you well, well, remember, it was also his 78th birthday. Okay. When he walked on stage, he was celebrating his 78th sure. birthday. 300 million records, a new recording career with his new title of uh, his album called Reborn by his old colleague and friend, uh, written by uh, Terry Britton. Um, and uh, that was in- quite incredible, celebrating the birthday, seeing him come on stage. Seeing having five, champagne. Having <laughs> having champagne before the show. Well, he didn't, but I certainly did. And then seeing 5,500 people stand up and celebrate, and just like they would have done mm. 60 years ago when he said he started singing from a distance, 2,500 people of half of the audience walked slowly to the front and stood there with their mobile phones going from a distance la-dee. it was wonderful and then the next night i was staying with my host and they said we're going to um, we're going to a book launch i said oh that's, that's great i said who they said sir michael kane i said i've got to be there why because there was a place called jerry's club because you met him Many years ago. Well, I met him many years ago. We, I, I, he was, he was never a colleague and a friend. I suppose you could say we were drinking partners at a distance at a little place called Jerry's Club, which where all the artists used to go after the shows, and we'd all debate the films and what was going on. 
Um, and he was always there. We'd be thrown out late in the morning to try and find a taxi home. Um, Vomiting and I, and drunk. For, 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 I followed his career. So when I heard that he had a book launch, I thought, I've got to go there. And my friend said, you're not going to get a ticket. Anyway, as luck would have it, I went to the theater, picked up the last ticket. My friends who'd paid a hundred pounds, two and a half thousand rand each to see, go to this book launch at the new Gillian Lynn theater were sitting up in the balcony. I paid fifty pounds and I was four rows from the front. <laughs> <laughs> and it was the most incredible story from this man. But what was interesting, both from Cliff, who's very much a family man, and Sir Michael Caine, he said, forget all the awards, forget all the Oscars, forget all the pats on the back, forget all the smiles. He said, I've got the most incredible wife. And he said, I've got the most incredible children. And he said, there's nothing better on a Friday night getting a hug with sticky fingers from one of my children. You know, that, that kind of mm-hmm. sums it up. And of course, the third one, Sir Cameron Mackintosh, or Cameron Mackintosh. Who is a very good friend of yours. Well, he, in 1968, I had a flat in um, St. John's Wood, and I just managed to buy a house over in Streatham, and he said, uh, he phoned me, and he said, he was then Cameron McIntosh, he just started his career. He said, can I come and see the flat? So within, he was, he's a man of instant decisions. Within uh, five minutes, he said, I take the flat, and I was then the tenant for, with him for six weeks, cooking, uh, talking theatre, talking shows, t- talking everything. So he's been a friend, but I have to tell you something, uh, Stuart, because you know this about following your dreams and having the passion to follow your dreams. He told me then, I'm going to be the number one show producer in the world. I'm going to own theatres. Today he owns yeah. 15 theatres in the West End. Um, he has a foundation which supports actors and new productions. Um, and he's never forgotten his friendship. So when I got there to London uh, to celebrate his birthday, I arrived mm. at the theatre uh, very, very late because of the traffic and the VIP and the red carpet and the celebrities and the photographers and whatever. And eventually sat down and went, I'm here. And what was it for? It was for the show Company, new premiere of a show yes, which was yes, yes. recent in um, London in 1972. The show was fantastic. But before it opened, I sat in the seat and I hear a commotion to the right of me and people are saying, oh, congratulations, happy birthday. And there's my friend, <laughs> Sir Cammy McIntosh, standing next to me. He said, Richard, great to see you. Have you seen Diana? I said, uh, Diana? I said, no, I couldn't because I arrived late. He said, so did I. His mother is called Diana. She's 99 years years of age. Wow. She was at the theater. She said, Richard, I can't have lunch with you because I've just come back from Marrakesh for my niece's wedding. And um, she said, "Uh, let's do the theater. Let's do the show. So in three nights, in three nights, I saw Sir Cliff Richard with his birthday with his show. Sir Michael Caine with his book launch. You don't blow the bloody drawers off. That's what the title of the book is. Mm-hmm. And Sir Cameron Mackintosh, who goes from strength to strength, but honors the business with his wow. foundation and his friends. And we often forget this because I want to come back to Rob in a second, your director. Yes. That, that the guys that produce the stuff. But if you think of Cameron Mackintosh, Lammers Robles produced that. The Phantom of the Opera, mm. Mary Poppins, Oliver, Miss Saigon, Cats, Hamilton. <laughs> I mean, that is is insane. And, of course, you have produced over so many years, on the stage and abroad, African footprints, just that I know of. Well, it's just, you know, at the soundstage, I created over 45 shows, which were all... Mm. um, I mean, Amorva Tony got her her break. Big hit from Girl Talk. But the most most Mm. important thing, um, Alan, for me is that I have never... um, Apart from Pump Boys and Dinettes, um, which I brought in from overseas, I've always created local product and I've always only, only used South African artists because I believe that if you're in a country 
you that you uh, are earning your living from and you love you need to produce you need to project and you need to create something for me that will take people out of the country which is that was the skill that was the fortune that i had with african footprint being wow. able to do that now Stuart taylor your show at daphne's place yes <laughs> you know we have this joke we're going to daphne's man go to daphne's <laughs> the uh, auto Auto in general, theatre on the square. Yeah. Is it still auto in general? It is, it is. It is. Yes. Yeah. And it's funny, you should say that. Funny, you should say that. Directed by name. Rob Van Vuren. Correct. And starring Stuart Taylor. And funny, you should say that. What did they say? Uh, they say they enjoyed it. They say that they really enjoyed it. <laughs> funny, that. funny that you should funny, say that. Funny, did they funny. do that with a smile when they said that? Funny. They, they did. They did. Funny you should say that. <laughs> What's it about? No, it was, well, you know, it's about, it's about uh, what people say and what they can't say. And, uh, I guess comedians this what is, we're not allowed this is to say. Unradio. Yes, this is unradio. <laughs> this is one of the only uncensored places uh, in the world. Mm. <laughs> it, it actually is. It's, it's wonderful. You know what it is? Is that um, with the advent of social media, people do say the most uh, vile things on social media, and you just go, "How? I don't understand how you how you thought that was okay." Comics, however, get to really push the boundaries in terms of what we say, and we get lots of poetical license. Yes. So the the show really laments the idea, laments, uh, lamenting in a comedy show. The show questions what give, what makes it okay for comics to say things, and and whether you're saying things consciously or whether you're saying things. I mean, this is all my subtext. I'm not. Uh, they just jokes, guys. It's just jokes. <laughs> no, but no. but the ideas behind it was very much along the lines of what can you say, what can't you say? Can can I say that? Am I allowed to say this? My kids say that. Is it okay? So it, it kind of, it, it deals with the angst of, so, so of, what, of what, what we're what feeling are, right now. So what are the, the things that, that you think people can say and can't say? Give me a couple of things. Well, um, and so often what I, what I, what I do is I, so it's, it starts with us talking about the obvious things you can't say. So we talk about the K word. That's, that's, that's the show starts with that. Mm-hmm. So you can, yeah, okay. yeah, um, the, the other one, okay. <laughs> the one you really mustn't say. Really? And so it, so, and I threatened to talk about it. The, in the context of the show I threaten to talk about it And then I talk about A, a different character talk about kids And then I come back To that K word And then I talk about Something else mm. And go wait I've still got to warm you up A little bit And eventually we do get to it We, we get to it And we, we kind of interrogate Where it comes from and, and what it means In this country Versus mm. what it means In other places And and why on earth Someone would say it And the consequences of it And so on So it's but, it, it goes into Very very interesting spaces But Stuart Can I ask you something Yes Is because I have had A lot of artists On my stages is it necessary for anybody to either use a four-letter word mm. or uh, 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 be blasphemous um, to actually create a laugh? When uh, I mean, what, what is what is the balance there for for a, for a comedian for somebody like you? Where question. is the balance? Where is the balance between I can actually get a good laugh by being yes. clean, uh, by being humorous, yes. by being funny, or I've actually got to drop my Perfect. trousers and, 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 and use a four-letter word? Space. And yes. I think myself. Well, do you really, if you really have talent, do you need to do that? That's all I'm asking. That's a, that's a very good question. For me, it's, it's often, uh, it's, it's, it's true to what is, what is, what is, uh, right in the moment. So the beauty of stand-up is that I see it a lot more as a, as a dialogue than a monologue. Communication. Yes. Yeah. So your timing is, is, is dependent on the audience you're talking to. Your, your rhythm and your style. Is, your style is more or less your own, but certainly your rhythm of what you say is, is dependent on the audience. And also your, uh, how much you're going to get out of them is dependent on, on, on who they are. So on opening night, it was, uh, squeaky clean. 
It was a squeaky clean performance simply because you, I looked at the ordinance and just yeah. went, well, okay. This so is in other words, you, you, you look at your ordinance, you judge it yeah, accordingly. You, you ju- yeah, However, if you have another audience that you know can go that way, you then absolutely. say, I'm going to drop something in here which is going to go, wow. Yes, and, and then it becomes a, and it, it's, I mean, sometimes it's, it's a lot more cheeky. Sometimes, and that's the thing, it's not even about the word necessarily. Sometimes you put a concept out there. And there's, and the concept is met with, oh, you can't say that. And my whole point is, it's not about what you can't say. You need to understand the entire story. Mm. So one of the things I say is, mm. I, I say, let's talk about the K word and the audience is very resistant. I say, fine, ladies, let's, let's talk about something less controversial. Let me tell you why we shouldn't celebrate Women's Day. Now, and the woman, <laughs> oh, oh no, go, okay. but you haven't heard me out, and it's a pro feminist. In other words, they're already, already being negative. You because exactly. why? Exactly, why we shouldn't? Exactly, the idea of you're going to judge what I'm saying just based on the small snippet of what I've said yeah. is what we're trying to create. This, this idea that. Everyone just lives in a state of angst. Where they are ready to jump on their high horses <laughs> and not hear people out. Peter Dirk spoke about this in his interview earlier with, with Gareth. Mm. We were talking about becoming a victim of the hashtag movement. He's like, just chill out. Listen to the whole story. Listen, yes. watch the whole thing in context because everything it requires context. I mean, I make fun of Helen Zilla in that I talk about, I talk about the, I talk, I say one positive thing about colonialism and I say that's an example of something I can say that Helen Zilla can't say because I've got an hour with you and context. Yes. And she's got 160 characters. You need to have context. And so, yeah, so, so the question though about how clean do you keep it? For me, it's ultimately about the audience. I go, well, how much, how much? You see, I've, where I, do they want you to push it? To? I, I've, I've found when I, when I speak to people and they, they ask me, you know, why aren't you retired? I don't know. Well, I, I've never worked. I, 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 there people, you go. I, I know people are going to laugh, but I've also got another <coughs> little thing, which is about timing, which is all what co- uh, comedy is about, is that, um, people say to me, why did you come back from um, Cape Town? I said, well, I never wanted anybody to walk along the beach <laughs> and find me laying face down in the sand. <laughs> with a copy of The Citizen in my hand. <laughs> and they pause and they think, and then they say, why The Citizen? And I said, have you read it? Exactly. Well, I want to just say, firstly, to have the two legends in the studio is absolutely fantastic. Thank you very much. Actually, I have to have three legends yes, in the studio. Three. Okay. Uh, and, uh, and, and Peter Durkheis. Uh, three of I, us and Peter Durkheis. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> correct. <laughs> and, and Peter Durkheis. <laughs> um, uh, good things also happening in this country, and I want to come back to, besides the fact that your run happens until the 3rd of November at the Auton General Theatre in the Square, don't miss Stuart Taylor in Funny, you should say that. Um, you, you've got comedy shows going on all around the country all the time. We spoke about this. Yeah, a couple of weeks ago, we, we were doing the Big Five comedy show. There's a big ensemble show that, that my company produces and we travel around the country. And who's, who's in that? Uh, uh it, it, it changes from city to city. So the first year we did it, we did it at Artscape. It had, we had Barry Hilton. I was hosting it with Barry Hilton, Nikhil Benoit, Riyad Musa, uh, Kachiso Ledija. Mm, um, so really we, we try and get sort of, Heavy hitters in each of the regions. Uh, this year we had, uh, in Cape Town and Joburg, we had John Vlismas headlining it. Um, Durban, we had Nick Rabinowitz back again. We had Kurt Skundart on the PE1. So we try and we take the Goliaths. Yeah, we had, we had Jason on. In fact, Jason Goliath did all, all of our cities, uh, this year. Tumi Muraki did a couple of the cities as well. And our big, and we're going to have coffee after this, uh, Richard, because the plan with the show, 
it's it's a legacy. That's that's my legacy project. I really think South African comedy it's a style unto its own. Mm, it's, no you question. get American comedy, you get British comedy. South African comedy it's a style unto its own. They are they it's are got its own bite. They are fearless. They go into spaces that no one else is willing to go to. And the Big Five is a great, beautiful, positive South African image. And so what we are trying to do is we're trying to take the show and tour it in the rest of the world and then showcase South African comics. I've, I've I, myself and many comics have done sort of once-off shows all mm. over, and you're part of festivals. But that flash in the pan thing never really has a lasting impact. Mm. If you can go into a place and go, listen, here's our footprint. This is what we are. Come and mm. see it. Our African I footprint, actually. Going, yeah. Yes, exactly. <laughs> I think our it could footprint have a, from Africa. Yes, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Um, I think it, it would have a great impact. And certainly no give, those, give those careers to those, to those artists. So that's the plan with the Big Five. That's Wonderful. excellent. Don't miss Stuart Taylor's show. Funny you should say that. Richard, what's coming up next for you? Well, I'm, at the moment, I'm working on bringing footprint back, as in footprint Better together Because in real terms We are all better together as people Whether we're in comedy Singing Dancing Whatever we do in life We are be- it's better in this country together And that's not just a message for South Africa That's a message for the world there we go. My three very special guests uh, Don't miss Richard Loring Actor and producer doing African Footprints We've got Stuart Taylor Don't miss his show And always just follow what you're doing Because Stuart's stuff is always great Get the Echoes of a Noise, Peter Dirk Ace's great new book that's come out. I also want to throw out a couple of things. Matilda has just hit to the stage. Whoa. It is rocking what and rolling. What you saw it, eh? Show. What a show. What I'm a seeing show. it this week. Three Little Pigs with Brennan from Rains yes, open yes, yes. At, uh, at Gate 69. Yes. The Pantomime's about to open here in Johannesburg. Any other shows that are going in and around Joburg and Durban? I'm going to speak to Stephen Stead. We'll, we'll find out next week. More the stuff. whole of South Africa is a pantomime at the it moment. Is. Yeah, <laughs> and we're all the characters playing in it. And, and I want to just say on one, one last note that a very good friend of, of, the, of the industry of myself and Gareth, Double HP, uh, he left us yesterday um, to go to a better place up in the sky. And I wish him and his family, um, mm. I wish his family my sympathies. Uh, yeah, I really wanted to say he's a good, 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 good man. Yeah, but yeah, go well as you fly amongst the angels. We'll be all going to go, by the way, one day. My name is Alan Ford, and this is CliffCentral.com. Nathan Rowe is in New York City. I can't wait to find out what he's up to there. He'll be eating himself to death. And, of course, this is The Unview, where we're the thin, the rich, and the fabulous. This is CliffCentral.com.